Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. It's October. You know what that means. A whole nother month of forgotten horror. That's right. We're bringing you four new forgotten horror flicks for your listening pleasure. Mike, what are they? John Carpenter's Vampires, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, and the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Ooh, sounds spooky. It is spooky. Stake your calendar every Wednesday in October as we bring you the spookiest in forgotten cinema. Forgotten horror, everybody. Get some. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking. And others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it. But you'll be happy we're here. We think. This is yet another MCU podcast. And we've returned for episode three of phase two. Uh, for best Cap- movie. Best you're, oh, well, now we have a guest here. So we have brought back on Mr. Mike Butler, who is my partner in Forgotten Cinema. Say hi, Mike. Hey, hi, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike does not like this movie. And, uh, know, and Pat does true. like this movie. Now, I have I have issues with this movie. But Captain so, America, as I said, Mike does not like this movie. <laughs> and Pat does love this movie. So we are talking about Captain America Winter Soldier. Let me run through just kind of like brief facts and all that stuff and all the people behind it, which everyone probably knows. And then we'll dive right into the movie itself. Captain America Winter Soldier came out Friday, April 4th, 2014. Has a runtime of 136 minutes. Rated PG-13. Production budget of $170 million. I really have to start looking at the production budgets in terms of comparing the others. Yeah, see I how don't, much is added to them right, afterwards. Because yeah. this seems like more than Thor so. was. Opening weekend of $95 million. <laughs> Thor had too. <laughs> Domestic, it brought in $259 million. Worldwide, $714 million. I'm surprised. I thought it would do more. Maybe it doesn't play well over. Well, it did more money overseas. I'm surprised it didn't do more money. I would it think did, that, it doesn't have Tony Stark in it. You think that's, that's why? The, so that region for the Marvel films. Because uh, Iron Man 3 did 1.2 billion. Yes. Yeah. Directed by the Russo brothers. They return for Civil War. This is their first one. This is their first one. They return for Civil War. And then the two last two Avengers movies, Infinity War and Endgame. Written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They did the original Captain America, and then they actually returned for Infinity War in game as well. So I guess clearly they work well with the Russo brothers. They're the staff writers. Oh, there you go. Nice. Composer Henry Jackman. Uh, he is. Uh, he actually replaced Alan Silvestri in this movie. And I didn't. I knew that. Like I got that information after the fact, so I didn't really look into that too much. I didn't look into it either, but I know that Silvestri comes back later on. I think he was just busy. Yeah. During this time, I could probably pull it up. What we're talking. That's fine. Cinematography by Trent Opalock, and he returns for an Endgame, and then obviously produced by Kevin Feige, and among other people. 
So you have Chris Evans returning as Steve Rogers. Scarlett Johansson's in this. Uh, it's Natasha Romanoff for Black Widow, but they never call her Black Widow in the movie. They never call her that, but she's in the credit. It says Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow. But I don't remember anyone ever saying to her. Do they call her Widow? Do they? In the scene when they're in the bunker, I think it shows her name, some of her stuff. Well, yeah, about her. But maybe. Show Black Widow on that. With Mike's favorite scene when they have, uh, what is his name again, Mike? Arnim Zola. Yeah, where he's on the tape deck. I am a cassette tape, a Swiss cassette tape. <laughs> Sam Jackson returns as Nick Fury. Uh, you have Robert Redford in this movie as Alexander Pierce, his one and only foray into the Marvel Universe, I guess. Second. Well, first of two. He's in Endgame as the same <laughs> that, character. Come on. That doesn't really count, does it? It's in a different It's in a different <laughs> timeline. It's in a different, oh, different. scene. No, that's, okay. Correct. Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes or, well... Now, I, I've got a note about this, that he's not actually the Winter Soldier they're referring to in this movie. Do you know that? No. Okay, well, he, he quote-unquote known as the Winter Soldier. I'll get into that later. Okay. Anthony <laughs> Mackie as Sam Wilson or Falcon. Kobe Smulders is back as Maria Hill. Uh, the ever-popular Frank Grillo as Brock Rumlow. We'll talk about him. Emily Van Camp is in this as, I guess, Agent 13 slash Kate slash the niece of Peggy Carter, right? Sharon Carter, okay. yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> She's got a lot going on. <laughs> Maximiliano Hernandez as Jasper Sitwell. Haley Atwell as Pat's favorite character, Peggy Carter. Absolutely. And Toby Jones as Mike's favorite character, Arnim Zola. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so obviously we, we kind of break this down. We go movie, comic, the difference between the movie and the comic, and then its role in the MCU. So let's just talk about the movie in and of itself. And I will lead the floor for you two, since you both have kind of differing opinions on it. Um, I don't know, Mike, what's your biggest, what's your biggest issue with it? Oh man. <laughs> the, <laughs> my biggest issue with it are the helicarriers. I hate the helicarriers. I think that the dumbest thing, I think as soon as they take off in the sky and the movie becomes a sci-fi action thriller, which I, I get it's a superhero movie, but you're watching basically Captain Bourne. And then all of a sudden you're in the sky with these helicarriers that are going to crash into the ground. Their whole plan is to crash them into Washington, D.C., which they're 3,000 feet in the air. You crash three helicarriers the size of them, you're leveling at least D.C. It's like an asteroid coming down. They're not going to fall exactly where they took off. Your whole plan is to fire these guns at them. Half the guns are missing their shot. Launching <laughs> shells who knows where into the capital city. <laughs> Shrapnel's going everywhere. He has killed thousands of people. At least it's just ridiculous. And that that is so cg you you cut half your action your fight scenes which were some of the best fight scenes in to this day some of the best hand-to-hand -hand fight scenes in any you're, marvel movie you're talking time. about like in the elevator that the scene. elevator scene's great the fight with the algerian on the boat is great the mm -hmm. fight with winter soldier on the ground is great mm -hmm. and now you're all of a sudden blocking it with these these green screen sets and and these quick cuts while you qu cut to these video game helicarriers duking it out right i have no vested interest in them whatsoever just to jump in before pat tells you you're wrong oh, the one thing that uh <laughs> about the helicarrier thing is like they have the discs at the whatever the for the three the hard drive things three, uh, and chips. there's you must replace these but like when they go in there there's about 40 to 50 that slide down i'm yeah. like how do you know which one to just these three <laughs> We all, like, went to, we all went to the school of Rogue One <laughs> took the same plot point where this yeah. happened first. But That's classic ship chips. <laughs> Just swap these three out. Well, was Rogue One, uh, was that done when they, when Marvel became part of, when Marvel, yes. was, so, because yeah. there's a. They went back to the well for that plot line. Well, there's a, there's a thing out there that the, because Disney owns everything now that you have start to see just basically the same storylines filter into Star Wars now that you have in Marvel, which is not a good thing. No. What worked? Oh, did that work? Let's yeah, read. Let's exactly. copy it. Oh, everybody is quippy now? 
<laughs> That's in the Star Wars movie. Oh, well, guess yeah. what? Darth Vader lives on cassette tapes now. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to problem number two. Arnim Zola living off cassette tapes is so dumb. So dumb. First of all, he's your mastermind, but he's on this abandoned Air Force base and he's on a cassette tape, which cassette tapes age and degrade. But you bring him down and the bunker is dusty. Mm -hmm. It is old and dusty, but there's one clean USB port, which you mentioned <laughs> to me earlier. That's clean. Everything else is dusty. I'm sorry. They almost lost the, the Star Wars reels, which they've cleaned up numerous times because they've degraded. He's on 20,000 cassette tapes. You can't put classic doom on 20,000 cassette tapes. <laughs> And they're just letting this guy live down there. And his whole plan is to reveal his plan and kill himself. <laughs> Clearly, if I was on 20,000 cassette tapes, I'd want to die, too. And I get that Arnim Zola in the comics lives in computers, but he lives so ridiculously on this this cassette tape computer. You can't upgrade him or boot him up. You can't put, yeah, him, in put him to the else. network. Yeah, yeah he's well, nowhere else. I want a cutscene where the person that had to install the USB dock. <laughs> To the old equipment has to find the right cord and like and just trying to figure out how to get to it. That's not taken. It's not taken. 1972 technology does not mix with a USB wire. I'm sorry, it doesn't. Hey, you cleaned down there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I dusted. I cleaned. That's just, those things really do. Can I respond? I won't disagree with any of these points. <laughs> these are fair points to be made, especially in the transition from the really well done. I think it does have some of the most iconic action set pieces oh yeah for sure prior to the helicarrier scene even before that you had the ship fight like you mentioned with baldrick the leaper uh <laughs> the nick fury attack in the streets of dc and then of course winter soldier catching the shield oh on the roof on the rooftop yeah. and that but again you you got you know cap is chasing after him the winter soldier gets what a three second head start and cap just gives up like <laughs> yeah <laughs> he doesn't even look down no mm -hmm. he just looks straight no, does the film have problems? Yes, the film has problems. Like, why is Nick Fury on the operating table in full view of everybody else in this hospital? Did you notice that? I didn't notice this the first time, but when he's there, you have Cap and Black Widow watching, and then you have people just kind of like start filtering in, like Grillo's there, as yeah. whatever his name is, Rumlo, and, and Sitwell. I'm just like, how many people are in this room? They're all just keep coming in like they're like an evil family like, only. If you didn't know, if you didn't know they were an evil presence before. You kind of got that idea now because they're just always looking over everyone's shoulder. That being said, I really enjoy this movie. I have a great time watching it every time. Anthony Mackie, first of all, is fantastic and brings a whole new charisma to any of Cap's sidekicks. Um, the Holly Commandos in the first film were great, but Anthony Mackie is just a whole new ball of energy that we get. And if you've ever watched the behind the scenes with him, it's just a lot of fun. So I recommend that <laughs> Two, Yes. It has a three days of the condor vibe to it, yeah. uh, which I, I think you guys can both agree. Highly enjoy that movie. Let me cut you off right there. Uh, Mike, why don't we, uh, we did three days of the condor and forgotten cinema, right? We did. Indeed. That's a, that's a podcast we have, right? <laughs> that's going to happen several times this episode, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> We, for the most part, like Three Days of the Condor. Oh, you don't like it? No, I like oh, it. Okay, good. I, I agree with both of you about yeah. the Stockholm Syndrome sex scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But other yeah. than that, it's yeah. it's a great film, and it's got that um, espionage feel to it. There's a lot to like, and it's definitely yes. like the father of modern espionage. Yes. Kind of, yeah. And, and they pull a lot from here. You know, I know who Winter Soldier is reading the comics, mm -hmm. but there's still that extra t twist of Hydra, and you follow that, you know, this... Uh, the storyline through where cap becomes a man without a country and he's, he's on the run, which, you know, I like to see, I, I wasn't expecting the Hydra reveal and I thought they played it pretty you, well. Did you like the reveal? Because I thought the reveal was kind of just, it wasn't as built up. It just, they just kind of laid it out 
and be like, oh, by the way, we're, it's the Hydra's here. I think if we went back to, you know, how we solved Thor the Dark World mm-hmm. and we added that extra scene of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. in there as being more of a, a benevolent force, this reveal would have been even better. Okay. Um, yeah, there, it was a little lacking because the last time we saw them, as we mentioned in the Thor Dark World podcast, they're shield is trying to blow up new york and we're supposed to assume yeah, they're the good yeah. guys it's like well you know they're not quite the bad guys yeah but they're also planning to blow up new york so mm-hmm. if they had one more scene where them being good guys i know we're supposed to be reliant to on the agents of shield show where they are the good guys we're supposed to trust colson and, mm-hmm. and you know the whole the whole team there and then the reveal happens in that show at the end of the first season mm-hmm. and that kind of changes the dynamic of the show as well but I think, you know, we're supposed to be relying a little on that, mm-hmm. our connection to that show, too. Mm-hmm. I know that going back to what you're talking about in terms of Three Days of the Condor, I know Feige describes the movie as a 1970s political thriller masquerading as a big superhero movie. But for me, there's not enough drama for that quote to mean anything to me. There's not enough. It's, it's a giant superhero movie. I know what we're walking into. So let's not kid ourselves yeah. that it's, it's we're trying to add more like thriller and espionage and stuff like that. I would want a little bit more of that, maybe more of more of him solving a mystery, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I agree with you. I agree with both of you in terms of both of your points. You uh, didn't get the drama in Black Widow and Captain America's dialogue with each other? Well, I, we were talking about that on the, on the way here that they wrote their dialogue for their scenes together. Uh, oh. Evans and Johansson. I know so, that. yeah. So, but I'm, then I'm thinking to myself, okay, so how much of the script was written by Marcus and McFeely? Because then I read that Chris McKenna did some work on the script as well. Mm-hmm. So I just imagine... It's, All these scripts are just kind of worked over by everybody. Yeah. Why are you here? So. Why are you here? Why do you want to be here? Why do you want to be here? Yeah. I'm just going to ask you the same question you asked me. No, I asked first. No, you asked first. That must be such a pain to to put this movie together when you have so many hands, you know, in the you know, so many cooks in the kitchen, as they say. It, it just must be frustrating to be a director on these movies, or unless you're just kind of like, whatever, we'll, we'll be fine, and you know, yeah. they're going to make money in the end, so who cares, kind of thing. That must be very frustrating to put together. Me thinking of it, like putting my director's hat on stuff like that. Did you know that Hawkeye was going to be in the movie? I did know Hawkeye was going to be in the and movie. And they said no. They said no. If you notice, Scarlett Johansson has, or Black Widow, has an arrow necklace. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. And that was feeding a lot of the rumors that they were going to be more romantic partners than they had been, or, or they had kind of hinted at in Avengers. And then in the next movie, we just go right to, Hawkeye's got a secret farm family. They hint a lot. <laughs> About, I mean, we'll, we'll, maybe we should get yeah. into that with the MCU stuff. I guess in terms of Mike brought this up to me prior when they go to the freighter in the beginning and they have that super soldier dude, right? He, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's a super soldier, right? Yeah, he's based on a comic character. But too. they never go back to him. That whole concept never is brought up again in the movie. You would think that they would have to fight not just, quote unquote, the Winter Soldier, but other people that are enhanced. Yeah, and we'll get to that when we get to the the comic okay storyline but yes i enjoy winter soldier as the villain here okay um, but he's not obviously the main antagonist that being hydra within shield mm-hmm. i think that holds up um even more when you watch it i think alexander pierce uh, robert redford's character great i mean it, nobody can compete it. he acts the hell out of everybody else on oh, screen he's awesome he's, he's redford yeah, yeah but i do feel his his motivations a little bit more than we've seen in other villains in the past He's trying to keep, you know, he is Hydra. He's mm-hmm. not trying to hide it at that point, but he's trying to keep this organization together, make sure this secret doesn't get out. Which, how, first of all, how secret is S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because there's a giant statue of the logo in the beginning <laughs> middle of the building. Well, this is the first time we see their headquarters yeah. in, in the movies, at least. This is the first time we see any of that. 
And even towards the, at the end of the movie, when in the cutscenes, you find out that like Hydra has many places, have many. You know, does the Shield have many places all over the place? Like it seems like this is the end of Shield, but Hydra's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we, just, <laughs> we lost one thing. Yeah. Oh we well, lost other ones. Oh well. Um, but no, I I, I understand Mike's frustration with the <laughs> third act i think it's a problem that we've picked up on all of the other films so far that the third act kind of has some issues you need to have this big bombastic fight scene uh if they wanted to do it they probably could have been a little bit more spy-like and sneaking onto these helicarriers maybe stay out of the costumes a little bit more i think the fights up top are engaging though like when you get to that moment especially falcon flying around oh i hated falcon flying Ooh. around He's just shooting guns for no reason at nobody. He's just zipping around like he's playing some video game, shooting the helicarrier. He's shooting the the plane like it matters. The, the plane's bulletproof, dude. It's it's made <laughs> to withstand other jet fighter attacks. You're not getting anywhere. That, the Captain America franchise has a lot more gunplay in it than the other movies. Which I like, because Captain yes. doesn't hold his punches when he has to. He's clearly killing guys on that boat. Sure. Yeah. He's yeah, taking them out. He's a soldier first and foremost. Like He wants to do good. He's got like that Superman mentality, mm-hmm. but that soldier mentality as well of, Sometimes and we you get need to, to see do him things done. Cut yeah. loose in those fights. Well, I'm so su- great. Yeah. I'm surprised they never kind of like in the first movie, in the first Avenger, it's all about killing Nazis. It's all about going over there and stopping. You know, like he has that, like, I want to stop. I want to fight. I want to fight. And this one, like you said, he kind of doesn't know. He doesn't have an enemy. Yeah. But then he gets one and he doesn't really have that same fervor to just, I've got to end Hydra. I've got to kill you. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't voice it. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Like, and, um, you, I mean, I guess you get the sense of it. That's what he's trying to do. But. I think the other issue he had was he wasn't totally on board with S.H.I.E.L.D. anyway. Right. So he was kind of caught in between ending HYDRA, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is, I don't trust S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. anyway. So he was, you know, am I working with the remnants of S.H.I.E.L.D. to beat what is HYDRA? And so at that point, he still wasn't trusting of, of Nick Fury. So you see him wrestle with that. Well, why wouldn't he go and work with the government and work with the army again? Like, why wouldn't he be more in tune with America, not just a corporation that America has or in this in this uh, iteration has basically contracted to be their protectors. Like, why wouldn't he go if the army is where he was? He grew up and was born and kind of learned everything. You would think that he would have more friends in the army. Well, he had he was part of the SSR, the strategic Right. Science reserve. So that was Shield. That was the precursor. Uh, okay. Of Shield. Okay. So that he still had like he okay, still I had that. You. So he basically was when he was drafted or, or whatever into the army, he went directly into the SSR program. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming his contract was still with the follow up to the SSR, which is Shield. Mm-hmm. As far as why he isn't more in tune with America or with the government, I take it. I'm going to correct that. Why he wasn't in tune with the government in the comics, he's always been, and this might serve as a good transition, but he's always sure. been a good political character and a political story to follow where he's not necessarily government the government of america first it was always america first and he was doing what was right by his view of the constitution or or defending the little guy what the american dream was supposed to be and you know i think maybe they could have added a little bit more of that here okay um but he wasn't he's had troubles in the past and you know we'll get to it maybe in civil war when he defects from the Avengers and goes against the government where he basically gives up the Captain America title because he's, he's worried about what it stands for and what he's trying to to fight for. So it's, he's been always about this idea of the American dream, standing up for the little people, okay. helping, um, making sure that things are fair. Mm-hmm. And, and that jived with what he was doing in the forties. Cause that was the 
you know, the government mindset at the time, mm-hmm. we're going to go take down the Nazis. But then when he came back in the 60s and 70s, things were getting kind of crazy at Watergate, the Vietnam War. So you started to see a lot of that perpetuate into the character. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think you also get the fact that he's still with S.H.I.E.L.D. because Peggy helped found it. True. And so there's a lot like when he looks at the three founders of, of S.H.I.E.L.D., he sees you know, Tommy Lee Jones character, but he also sees Peggy and he kind of stares at that. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he, that's why he goes to see her to like, get that faith back. And why am I doing this? You helped found this. And he says it to her when he visits her hospital bed is like, you helped found this uh, program. Mm-hmm. So I think point. part of it is trying to honor her, but to honor her at the end, it's, I got to take this down. Cause it's not what she would have wanted. It's almost funny that shield almost is intertwined with the army, just as Hydra is intertwined with shield. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Not out there. So real quick, before we segue into the difference between the comics and movies, I'm going to, well, I, I teased it before, The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. So according to the commentary on the Blu-ray, The Winter Soldier is actually Captain America, not Bucky Barnes or whatever. Because according to the, the Winter Soldier title is from an 18th century quote from Thomas Paine, and I'm going to read it. These are the times that try men's souls, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in the crisis shrink from the service of their country but he, the winter soldier that stands by it now, deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Now, this could be revisionist. This could be just them being like, hey, so it's actually Cap that he's the winter soldier. But I wanted to get your opinion on that. That could be why they titled the film. That. Yeah. yeah. They could have been like that because it could have gone. They could have titled this any number of things. Because Winter mm-hmm. Soldier's in it, but he's not in it a bunch, although that's your big reveal. Right. So like both he's the villain, but also that represents Cap. So that makes mm-hmm. it kind of the perfect story. Captain America. Colon Winter Soldier. Right, yes, right. That's him. Because that's the first one, the Captain America, the first Avenger, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, so I, I like that. Actually, I, I like that a lot. Okay. Yeah. Do you like the movie more now? <laughs> I don't dislike this movie. I just have a lot of problems with it. It's you. still it's still up there in the pantheon of Marvel movies because the story is still good. The mm-hmm. action is still good. It's filmed really well. It's just they've got these moments in it. Like, that. first of all, Captain America doesn't tie his shoes at all <laughs> after he goes to incognito. He's from the 40s. You tie your shoes. Why is he not tying his shoes? And then when he gets buried under the rubble, he comes back up. He's washing himself. He's got no shirt on, right? But he's got three layers on when the place falls on him. Why is his chest dirty? Because did he take dust, his shirt off? That's sexy. The goes in. Because that's sexy, Mike. <laughs> God, did you, not, did you not see Thor: The Dark World where they just had to have? He just has his shirt. Yeah, Thor: The Dark World. Randomly just, has his shirt off. Shirt off. It's like, of course. No, luckily I have not had to watch that movie. Uh, yeah. Well, that scene was amazing. <laughs> we do have three straight movies of we have Thor. We have Winter Soldier and then we have Guardians of the Galaxy where the protagonist just has her shirt off for no explicable that, reason. That Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> shot is strictly there so that Chris Pratt can tell everybody, like, I'm not the fat guy from Parks and Rec anymore. This is this I know is you guys didn't see Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> yeah. Now come see this. <laughs> Listen, when you spend six months working out, I get that. Oh, get yeah, you for want, sure. That's fine. You know, and when, you know, when, you know, maybe when we just do more commercials and, you know, you start working out, Butler, we'll do that. I can afford a well. trainer. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, so let's go into me just asking Pat questions about what what the hell's going on. And Butler, feel free to jump in. Yeah, feel I free. I usually send these to Pat ahead of time, and then he he tells me what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I guess let's start off with Falcon. So explain to me why he does not talk to birds in this movie now, because since he did in the comics, and um, I guess he was he had red tights. Just tell me the difference between the Falcon that we see in the movie. And if Mike, you know this too, and the Falcon we see in the comics, just tell me everything. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get this one out of the way. Falcon is actually the first African-American 
superhero in mainstream comics. Okay. So he appeared in 1969. He, as you said, wore red and white tights. Okay. Uh, uh, well, it's 69, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a a uh, wing jetpack, and he would fly around and telepathically communicate with birds. How did he get that superpower? He's basically like Aquaman now in the sky, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Avian <version>, man. <laughs> the version that we're seeing in this film is more about the Ultimate Universe. Okay. Which we talked about a lot. He was a mercenary, worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. He had that same uh, kind of like wing jetpack, carried a lot of guns. One of the costumes in a, there's a scene with him. He comes out basically wearing the same outfit that he wears during the conclusion of this film, which is the green t-shirt, cargo pants, and then he's got the jetpack on. Okay. And he's got a couple um, Uzis or I don't know, some he, sort of submachine. But in, this, in the Ultimates now, does he still telepathically no. talk? To, okay. And he doesn't have any other superpowers. He just can fly with the jetpack. Yeah. Okay, so he's a regular guy. Well, he's he's really guy. good at soldiering. Yeah, <laughs> he's really good at flying around. He's able to keep up Shoot with guns. even in the comics. Keep up with most of the other superheroes. Yes, but he's just a dude. He's a dude, but he's a good dude. I get that. That's well, fine. But I mean, technically, he's a, sort of a good dude. Originally, he was a bad dude. He was a, he was in a gang. And in, this he, is in the original version, '69. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so he was in a gang, uh, and then his memories were suppressed, and he was made to think that he was a social worker. Oh, okay. And then the, the memories came back and he realized he used to be the gang member, Snap Wilson. Snap Wilson? Yeah. Snap Wilson. There was gosh. a lot of snapping characters back in the 60s. <laughs> I don't get it. There was a character, Snapper Carr, in the Justice League. It was, a, I don't know. I wasn't born then. None, none of us were born then. I want to know if Snap was a big name. I like All that, that snapping in West Side Story is actually true. That's absolutely how people just walk around. Back <laughs> well, not, um, not that I want to go back into the movie, but I, I do want to bring this up with Falcon. He, you know, uh, he just up and up leaves his job as a support counselor for all these war veterans to do to go back into war. Do these guys just waiting for him? Mike? Yeah. As we know from <laughs> the MCU's treatment of mental illness. <laughs> You just go in and say, you're it's, all better you're, now. You're all, you know, they should get the kid from Iron Man 3 to walk in and be like, <laughs> you guys are engineers. Build something. No, I'm healthy. All right, good. Thanks. Thanks, kid. All right, so I guess that's Falcon. If anybody comes up with any type of thesis from this podcast, it's that MCU doesn't have good mental health services. Yeah, they, they, uh, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so I mentioned that when you see Frank Grillo in the beginning, okay. you obviously know he's a bad guy. And I know he pops up again in Civil War. Civil War. And he's Crossbones. Yes. So is the Rumlow character where he is now in this movie the same as in the comic? That this where his so this is not where his this um, is not he was Genesis is from. Yeah, he wasn't ever really a Shield agent. Um, and, and Mike could hop in here if he has some stuff. Um, Do you have some stuff, Mike? I don't really know much about Crossbones. Right. I know uh, I know very little. I know some, but yeah. I know it's not. He's nothing like what he is in yeah. the uh, the film. But what about when he? Uh, well, go ahead. I, All I'm, right. So he was um, he was always a criminal. Like basically from day one, uh, he was sociopathic kid. Nice. Uh, he assaulted a girl and then later killed her brothers for who were seeking revenge from him. He enrolled in a school for mercenaries, and this is where things might get interesting. Like an like an like an ulterior X Men school kind of thing. Kind of yeah. Interesting. interesting. Um, <laughs> if anybody's seen the TV show or read the comic book Deadly Class, it's um, no. <laughs> one season on Sci Fi. Wasn't great, but it was basically a school for like assassins and mercenaries, gang leaders. Uh, takes place in the eighties pop punk era. Okay, it was fine. Yeah, um, you, but, clearly, you clearly watched all the episodes. <laughs> I did watch all the episodes. 
Um, but that was the school for assassins. So there was a similar idea where he rolls in the school for mercenaries and assassins. It was actually run by Taskmaster, who's a, the villain we're going to see if we ever see the Black Widow movie. Um, on Disney oh. Plus. On Disney Plus. <laughs> Note that we're recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Black Widow had just gotten pulled. We are all from- six feet apart. And we have not touched. Don't uh, touch him. <laughs> um, we're reaching out for each other like a Michelangelo's painting of God. Uh, <laughs> I like that that uh, cystic fibrosis movie, Five Feet Apart, with the with the they walk around with the uh, dowel. You ever see that? No, I have seen that. <laughs> um. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Taskmaster ran this this school. It looks from the trailers that he's also going to gain control of the Red Room, which is the training ground where Black Widow was trained and a whole bunch of other assassins were trained. So maybe we'll see a similar kind of it won't certainly be for crossbones, but maybe we'll see Taskmaster do a similar type of school for mercenaries. Yeah, he eventually just became a mercenary for Red Skull um, wearing the big kind of crossbone mm-hmm. uh, skull and bones costume black with the, the white kind of paint and, and skull theme that we see more of. In Civil War, he more recently has been working with the Red Skull's daughter because comics. <laughs> Cynthia Schmidt. It's spelled S-I-N-T-H-I-A. Okay. Because comics. Yes, that that's who he is. And, and he frequently and frequently comes across um, as the, the villain against Captain America. Was this the storyline of his comic, the Hydra infiltrating shield yes. and all that stuff? So uh, how much of it? is from the comics it, it, they took from different sources there wasn't one direct one i don't know mike have you read the, the ed brubacher run mm-hmm. on captain america yeah they reintroduced bucky, bucky introduced yeah. winter soldier so they, they pulled a lot from there it was um volume five of the series ed brubacher who's basically written for everybody batman spider-man captain america Anybody and everybody you could think of he's he's been involved with um, has has done substantial runs on Batman and, and Captain America. So in that run, we learned that Bucky survived his last mission, was frozen, and he was found by Soviet scientists. The same way in First Avenger? The same with the false remote train, that whole thing, or no? He dies from being on a missile. Yes. Yeah. What? And missile, their missiles are being shot instead of the big plane. He's riding a missile like in Doctor Strangelove? Yeah, well, he didn't have a cowboy hat, but (laughs) he did have a really nice costume, though. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. If you thought Falcon's 1969 costume was bad, Bucky Bucky has been done no favors. (laughs) I'm pretty sure in the like in the modernization, they give him pants. Oh, do they? (laughs) Well, he didn't have pants back again. It was like Robin. Think about like early Robin. Oh, yeah. And he was just Cap's pal, Bucky. Yeah, uh, he didn't really have a cool. So name. he wasn't older. He wasn't like the <laughs> no. Older. He was a kid. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, straight up child. Mm. Forced to fight. <laughs> In the modernization, I'm pretty sure they make him at least 18. Okay, so that he could have enrolled for the army. Maybe he was 17. Maybe he lied about his age. I don't remember. I think exactly. they say he lies about his age. Okay. That's how he ends up under Captain America. That's like, right. He lies about his age, but then Captain America takes him under yeah. anyway. Yeah, like the shoddy jib kid. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> let's go fight Nazis. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we learned that the Soviet scientists had awoken him. They gave him the metal arm that he has. Because he lost it. Because he lost okay. the first arm. I'm pretty sure in the comics, the arm gets caught in the missile. Okay. So when it blows up, it blows off the arm. And then the rest of his body falls into icy cold Arctic waters. Interesting. And then they find him. They re- they do the same thing where they, they 
kind of shut him down and reawaken him as he's needed. Mm-hmm. And he trains, he actually trained Black Widow. That was another one of your I questions. S- I saw that. He trained her and then he, they were dating yeah. in the comic. Okay. Don't you do that with all of your trainers? Of course. But the relationship didn't last because they had to keep shutting him down. Oh, okay. He not just has the metal arm that's, I don't know, made of whatever. Um, what is it made of? Um, I think it's adam- is it adamantium? You can't say that. Well, no, I guess you can say that now, but you couldn't say that before in the in the con- in the films at least. Yeah. Oh, okay, I believe it is adamantium. Okay. okay, so the same. Okay, same stuff that Wolverine yes. has. Is he from the same in the X Men movies where he goes in that little fort area in the in the wilderness? Oh, no, I, he wasn't Project X. Okay, no. no. Okay, so he wasn't anywhere near that stuff. He was literally Soviets. He wasn't like Hydra rebuilding him. He was okay. the Soviet Union okay. back then. The Soviets were the bad guys. So, so then, how does Hydra get get their hands on him now in this in in this movie? Did they just kind of just co opt it and say like he's part of that? Yeah. Okay. He's an assassin sent to kill the Red Skull. Okay. By Soviet generals. Mm-hmm. So we remove all of that stuff, but he's still out there now. At this point, he's taking down the last remnants of Good Shield. Okay. And then in in previous storylines, we had seen that Hydra had been shield all along and that's dealt with in the secret warriors comic a really complicated comic it's i put it on the recommended reading but it's not a beginner comic by any means it's, right it's a little tough to get into you need to know a lot of the, the backstory but that involves nick fury and a secret band of good shield agents mm-hmm. taking down hydra that had infiltrated shield so they're picking pieces again like we've seen in the other films and kind of molding them into a singular story. There's a lot of the the personal moments between Cap and Bucky in the, the Ed Brubaker run and, and really Bucky trying to assess who he is, which we get to at the end of this film. They're pulling a lot of that and then just kind of teasing in some of the other stuff okay. that we've seen in, seen in other comics. And he's a nemesis to Captain America in the comics. When he's uh, Winter when, Soldier, yeah. 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 And, but, well, nemesis to everybody, really. But yeah. then he becomes good the same way they do it kind of here with moving forward with his character. He becomes Captain America for a uh, time. Oh, that's right. I knew that. That's right. Someone told me that. Okay. Yeah. So you talked about S.H.I.E.L.D. So at some point, Captain America becomes a director of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. Okay. Explain that. He becomes a director. <laughs> everybody becomes a director of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he becomes director of S.H.I.E.L.D. He becomes the head of a secret Avengers team. He steps down from the Avengers. He steps down as his post as um, so he dies in the comics for reals. So in of. which one? The Ultimates or the in the, the modern right before Bucky takes on so the he, Captain so America. There's no more Steve Rogers Captain America now in the comics no, as we know. Now it. there is. He oh, comes he back to back. life. He came back to life? Yes. Can you explain how he came back to life? Comics. Comics. Okay. All right. So okay. there's and back to the Winter Soldier real quick. There were five <laughs> characters everybody thought were you couldn't bring them back to life. Okay. Uncle Ben. Bucky Barnes, Thomas and Martha Wayne, and Jason Todd, who's the second Robin. Why? why? Dick Grayson was the first Robin. Jason Todd becomes the second you Robin. Couldn't, you why couldn't Because it was you? such a big deal to kill Jason Todd because yeah. Joker kills him and people voted for Jason Todd to die. Okay. There's a big voting. Does Robin survive this? And yeah. people went, no, he's the worst Robin. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he beat him with a crowbar and then blew him up. Oh, my God. How, how long ago was this? This is in the 80s. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And so all these people can never come back. That was the In philosophy. the comics. That okay. was the thought process. Since then. <laughs> they've all come back. <laughs> Everybody but Uncle Ben has come back. And let um, me guess. They've, ex- they've explained it by alternate universes. Yes. Well, they, they suggested in this one that Bucky was never dead. Okay. And that he survived. Well, he was frozen, kind of like Cap. Frozen again after the arm. 
and then we keep refreezing. But okay. initially, he was frozen in the waters. Right. Okay. Like Cap was. Jason Todd was their. I'm not even going to go into that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Thomas and Martha Wayne. That was an alternate universe where Thomas actually becomes Batman okay. and Martha becomes uh, Joker. What? After Bruce gets shot by a mugger. Flashpoint. It's because uh, Flash messed up everything. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. actually a really, I like the Flash one comics. Yeah. It's very it's, interesting. It was, it was an interesting take. So uh, they all came back to life. Jason Todd and Winter Soldier uh, and Bucky Barnes were coming back to life around the same time period. So it was interesting how Marvel and DC were handling this. One side clearly won, in my opinion. I don't know if you remember. Do you, Mike? Do you know how they brought back Jason Todd? I don't initially. I, I, I just remember he comes out of the grave right at some yeah. point. I, it's <laughs> it's not good, but I do like where they've taken Jason Todd as a character. Agreed. But yes, his his rebirth is not as interesting or well done as Winter Soldier. They really went back and at least like retconned, but also created a new history for him. Yeah. With Jason Todd, they're like, we'll bring this guy back from the grave. Literally, let's have a hand pop out of that. Grave. <laughs> so. In the storyline Infinite Crisis, we learn that there's a um, a Superboy, Superboy Prime from mm -hmm. a prior Earth. Oh, don't bring the don't bring the Earths into this, man. Uh, <laughs> Along with a couple other, it's getting a little nerdy over Superman here. characters. <laughs> Superboy Prime was a pissy little brat, and he decides to punch his like little space bubble pocket Earth thing, and in doing so, he brings back and changes the history of a dozen characters, including Jason Todd. And Jason Todd doesn't, it doesn't just... Oh, he comes back from that? He comes back from that initially. I think they changed it a, a few times since, but they don't change that he died. They change that he was supposed to be dead. So he pops up from the grave, as you mentioned. Like yeah. he, he wakes up in the grave. I have that image really clear in my and head. And he, yeah. he takes off his belt buckle because you're buried with a belt, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and starts clawing at the um the coffin until he is able to dig above without setting off all the sensors that Batman puts in his graves now just for this type of a uh, anyway we're getting way this off is getting track. off the rails here <laughs> so we're doing a Batman podcast now because <laughs> I'm all about that <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure that was known that all these characters that everybody says need to stay dead have come back um, <laughs> Cap has a number of times been the director of Shield. He's been a uh, he's been a government agent basically all through his life. Right. Um, you did ask me how does he get paid? Well, in the comics, they say that um, what I read was that the first time he came back, he didn't get paid. He was just like he was a bum struggling to make money. Yeah. But in the Ultimates, he got back pay. Yeah. So well, they don't ever talk about it in the movie how he gets money. I assume he's just still on the government payroll. They just um, give him a big surplus check. Yeah. In the original comics, he had a couple different jobs. So he was a boxing trainer like sparring partner okay mentioned boxing against captain america <laughs> this is fair yeah <laughs> and then he was also a cartoonist so we kind of see that reference in um the first avenger when he's drawing peggy right yeah that he has and i think in a couple other movies where he's he's drawing and stuff so you see that that, that was when he was like small yeah i mean yeah. he was a little weeb back in the, that, back that, in the that, day the serum so. got that out of him yeah serum got drawing out of him <laughs> you're no longer creative cap sorry <laughs> you went to the gym bro you can't be creative <laughs> there's a website a couple different websites have done this but I, I i'm pulling it from we are the mighty uh they calculated how much cap would have in back pay and the number is somewhere in the range of 4.7 million oh my god um, how would he be avenger he doesn't need to come on <laughs> yeah well and then when he's an avenger he usually gets paid Tony Stark sets up a nonprofit, the Maria Stark Foundation, and through the Maria Stark Foundation, they pay the Avengers. So the Avengers is a nonprofit organization. How is that possible? I don't know. That makes no sense. People want to defend the world. 
Is that the scene in the comics where he recruits Spider-Man and he goes, you'll get paid, and Spider-Man cries and hugs him? Yes. I love that scene. <laughs> he has different reasons for hiring everyone. I'll pay you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then you asked about the suit, too. That's the stealth suit. It's uh, the stealth suit that he wears in, in, the, fr- in, the, in the beginning of the, in the first in, one. Yeah. Shortly after he comes back to life and Bucky is still running around as Captain America, Steve becomes the commander of the Secret Avengers and he just wears this similar design costume. No helmet on though um, and, and just operates from that way. But he does wield a gun because Bucky obviously has the shield. Right. So you see a little bit more of that gunplay um, in the character. The opening. I made mention that the name of the ship is the what again? The freighter is called the Lemurian Star. It references Lemuria, the sunken continent, the home of the deviants, a race of superhero humans created by Jack Kirby. Go ahead. <laughs> it's really just. They just we, threw it in there. They, they just threw yeah. it in there. We might see more about the deviants when we get to the Eternals movie. Okay. Uh, which may or may not at this point be November. Again, who knows? That'll probably be Black Widow's date, if anything. Yeah, they might just move everything a date. But I think it's just because Jack Kirby had such a hand in in creating the character, they wanted to give him a shout-out when they couldn't give him a stupid cameo somewhere in the middle of the movie. But you mentioned that that dude is somebody that he he fights? Baldrock the Leaper. Okay, what's that? He's a French villain who leaps. (laughs) Seriously? That's it? That's all he is? They were churning these comics out. Like, you wouldn't believe. They just had to keep... (laughs) Creating characters, um, which in that note, side recommended reading. Ooh. The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. I've read it. Really good on the um, uh, creating the comic industry in the early 40s. He's, uh, he's the head writer and showrunner for Picard. Star Trek Is Picard now. Yeah. Okay. Is he really? Yeah. He's he a loves, big Star Trek fan. He loves, yeah. he loves Star Trek. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> so now we see Sitwell in this movie. And is Sitwell a big part in the comic? Did I ask this already last time about... Because he, you see, we saw him in Thor, and then we kind of see him again a little bit afterwards. In the movie, he's a villain, clearly, and he doesn't last long. Yeah. I may have been wrong about this when I answered in Thor, because I went back and reread sure. the Secret Warriors comics um, for this one. He is more of a, in this film, he's more of a bureaucratic kind of middle manager. In this in movie. This, in this uh, film. Okay. In, well, in the MCU. In the comics, though, he's a Nick Fury loyalist. Okay. He's, he's been a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent forever. He When Nick Fury is building his Secret Warriors team... Uh, Jasper and Dum Dum Dugan, who is one of the Howling Commandos, they kind of form their own kind of Howling Commando militia group type organization, and they help out and assist Nick in, in the Secret Avengers in taking down Hydra. And but in the comics, he's a zombie. Now he's a zombie. He's a zombie yes. now. Why? Yeah. He died and came back to life. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Some people die. And they get frozen or take forever to come back to life. Some people die and just immediately come back as a zombie. Interesting. Does he like still do his job or does he just want to eat brains? Part of a more kind of literal interpretation of howling commandos. So in the the movie, he references the man in Cairo that Hydra is keeping tabs on. And that's supposed to be Moon Knight? Presumably. And who's Moon Knight? Moon Knight is Mark Spector. He's a... That doesn't help me. Yeah. (laughs) He's a mercenary who wields... Powers of an Egyptian god. Okay. Moon Knight is this superhero like Batman. So he doesn't have superpowers. He well, just... he's got these godlike superpowers, okay, but he okay. runs around with, sort of. And this is where <laughs> things get a little iffy, because he might be batshit crazy. And I'm really, really hoping when they launch the Disney Plus show. Is he going to have a show? He's getting a show. Like, in the new, like with all these other shows coming out, he's one of them? Yes. Who's playing Moon Knight? I don't think they've cast it yet. They have not cast it yet. They did say it's going to be slightly darker, I believe, which Good. is nice, because his comic... Is. is is a dark comic. Yeah. He's one of the 
the Marvel Max, not like not Max, that's Punisher Max. Uh, I think he was on a run. Max imprint. There yeah, was Max other adult um, adult runs on the character. I think they've they've, they've discontinued the Max. If I'm they did, yeah. Oh, a couple of years ago. I mean, they bring they bring back and forth the adult yeah. type comics. But yeah. He's always one of them, along with like Daredevil and the kind of the, the more street level characters, mm-hmm. like the like the Netflix shows. Okay, yeah, that probably won't be as dark as those. But he's but based in Cairo. He's based in the U.S. I think, he, but I think because of the him, Egyptian. The Egyptian they were just they that. just were saying that they he were, was there. They were saying that. Okay. So okay. It will be interesting how much of this is just like Easter egg versus they take that direct reference to the man in Cairo. Okay. And play it up because now we're talking by the time the movie comes out or the TV show comes out. Sorry, eight to ten years after this happened. Right. So who knows what they'll you know if there's anything that'll that'll come of it. That's true. That's true. All right. So I got two more things. We we talked about it briefly before. Uh, with the adamantian stuff mm-hmm. uh, black widow references department h so what what is that what what is the, and i read that in the comics this is where wolverine got his, his his skeleton his adamantium skeleton is that incorrect i think it's around the same i think it is department h or one of the departments it's part of the canadian national defense okay um because department h also had alpha flight no oh, what is that the Can- canadian avengers uh what that's right. <laughs> Forget Logan. Uh, Logan is Canadian. So hold on. So now there's different Avengers in different countries. There's different superheroes in different countries. Yeah. So like we every just got country talking about a guy in Cairo. There's a captain. Yeah, but you Britain. just said he was from. You said he was what's up? There's a Captain Britain and a Cop. Captain Canuck. There is a captain. I forget if there is like a captain. Uh, come yeah, on. Captain. But you just muted. But you mentioned the guy in Cairo is really from New York. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was a New York guy. But he now he's he's. Uh, this no, is, I'm. I'm this is getting very confusing. Out. These comics are getting very confusing. <laughs> As the deeper we go into this podcast, it's going to be more. So Alpha Flight, along with Beta, Gamma, and Omega Flights, <sighs> are all versions <laughs> <laughs> are all versions of a similar organization than Canadian Avengers. Uh, characters like Guardian or North Star, which boy oh boy, North Star had some problems. Uh, he was one of the first homosexual characters. That's a problem. No, that wasn't the problem. <laughs> that was not the problem. This is going to get completely taken out of context, but that was not the problem. The problem was how writers did it. Oh, okay. Because um, yeah. it was, oh, it was not subtle. I gotcha. And it was, because it was early, I think it was early 2000s, yeah, okay. and it was not subtle at all, and, and there was a lot of, like, flack on the internet for it. Hopefully um, that's been changed then. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it has. Well, that's um, good. And then, of course, you have characters like Sasquatch. So it's actual Bigfoot, a superhero version of Bigfoot, but it's, it's a dude that's just all hairy. He's a giant. He doesn't transform into that. That's just him. Yes. Come on. This is a universe where Hercules is also a superhero. Like in modern time. Yeah. We talked about that. Oh, wait, that's right. We did. We did. This is, uh, this is really getting disconcerting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if, again, like the, the reference to department H or, you know, that, you think they're just throwing these things in there? That's what I'm, I'm like at there. this point because they didn't have access to. I believe even Alpha Flight might have been owned by Fox. Could be wrong, but I, I wasn't. I'm not positive. Um, Alpha Flight. I wonder if that's just like a an Easter egg or something that they can now follow up on. Like it was an Easter egg, but now they're going to retroactively go back and kind of do with stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah maybe. So. so just to kind of bridge the gap between the next segment, which is just this movie in the in this in the MCU itself. Tell me about Maria Hill working for Stark because I know it's in the comics, but kind of also talk about that. But I cannot remember her 
after this being working for Stark. So I, I, I saw that. And I'm just like, that happened because there's a couple of things in this movie that happens that I don't know if we ever follow up on in terms of Fury burning the burning his eye patch and then going on the lamb to walk the earth or whatever. And, <laughs> that, and never, you never you never hear for it again. So just the Maria Hill stuff first and then we can get into all the other stuff. Did she work? She worked for Stark in the movie. She worked for Shield. I'm sorry. She worked for Stark in the comics. She worked for Shield in the comics. What the heck is going on with that? Well, kids, in the summer of 2014, <laughs> your aunt Robin decided to take a job with Stark Industries. <laughs> uh, no, I couldn't see her. I, I couldn't find anything with her taking a job with Stark Industries, but she becomes the deputy director of Shield. Well, you, everybody gets that position apparently. <laughs> no, no. Tony became the director. Oh, okay. She was the deputy director. Okay. And and eventually, when Norman Osborn takes over, as we kind of mentioned, mm-hmm. thinking a couple of episodes ago her and, and tony kind of go on the run together okay and because comics fall in love okay who doesn't fall in love with tony stark <laughs> <laughs> so then let's just get away from comics unless you got other stuff no no her working for stark i tell me if i'm wrong but i don't remember that popping up anywhere else in the in the in the, she, in the mco she's at the party in age of ultron okay well, at the end no at the beginning at the beginning when they're lifting the hammer yeah. Okay. They're at the the. So she's just hanging out there. She's just hanging out. Apparently, because I forgot this too, because the next time we see her at the party, it's assumed that she's involved somehow, and then the next time we see her, she was working for Nick Fury all the time. Well, because he's on the helicarrier again, one wh- of the remaining helicarriers. Yeah. Where? Yeah. So what's going on with him? He burns his eye patch. Well, he, he says he's going to go hunt down any other remaining Hydra people. But then the next time you see him, he's got an eye patch on again, right? And he had disappeared because the Avengers were hunting down the remaining. There wasn't a lot of follow through with this one. Yeah. It's almost like there may have been talks to have a Nick Fury movie in between this and Age of Ultron. Oh, really? Okay. I I mean, that's how this looks like it's set up. It looks like he's going off to do his own thing. Yeah. I think he maybe pops up for one episode on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it may have been before this. I think he maybe pops up in the pilot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was obviously before this film. Were you the one that was telling me that? Somebody was telling me that. He's he he shows up in Shield the show. I believe he shows up uh, at least two times. Okay, but yeah, not often. Yeah. Okay. So oh. basically, their entire budget for this season. <laughs> we got salmon. What are we doing? Cut the fight scene. Cut the set. Uh, it's all going to take place on the. We're going to do an entire scene in the headquarters. We can't afford to go anywhere else. Cut the second camera. <laughs> Now, they make mention that um, this whole movie takes place in the span of three days, so the Avengers can't really help Captain. Three days of the cap. Apparently. They, they can't help him. That's why well, this happens. But- again, this goes to my point in Iron Man 3, where it feels like Tony Stark has retired right. as Iron Man, because why isn't he showing up in Thor? Right. Why isn't he showing up in Winter Soldier? What's going on? Right. That, like He's on vacation somewhere. He's on vacation. Yeah. I don't care how, if it only takes place over three days. If he's living in New York and he's got the Iron Man suit on, it takes you what? How long is it? a train ride from New York to DC? Is what like six hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for the most of the part of the uh, the film, Tony probably doesn't know what's going on. Right. So it's like, what are you going to act on? But as soon as the helicarriers yeah. are up, you think you'd show up. You get, you'd get show to up. work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you have a choice at that point. Right. No. Right. Um. What was it? Oh, so I want. I brought this up in the car right up here, Pat, and because I know this is your favorite part of Endgame, so I want to talk to you about this. You love. I know you cried did when he dances with peggy at the end absolutely but can we talk about how selfish steve rogers is that he just rips apart a life that she had had because in this movie he's with her at her bedside and she's had a family she's had a long life oh no don't do the finger yet she's had a family she's had a long life and 
Cap just wants to be happy. So he just decides that, you know what? And I know what you're going to say, because he tried to say this to me. BS. <laughs> you know what? You know, I'm just going to erase all that nonsense because I'm going to be with you and that's it. We're going to live together. So explain to me how that's okay. So I wondered, because this is the first time I've seen this since Endgame. Okay. And I was paying particular attention to the dialogue in that scene between uh, Peggy and Steve. Okay. And I wonder how soon Russo's and Feige knew that this was going to be the ending. Right. Because there's some things that they've said that Peggy says specifically, best we can do is start over. So he comes back to her and they start over together. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry you didn't get to live your life, which if he's a man out of time living with Peggy, he really didn't get to live his full life. Mm -hmm. He was kind of hidden behind her. Um, they couldn't let anybody know that he was alive. And then um, he says to Steve says to Black Widow later on, that's not my first kiss since 1945. Right. Because, you know, we, if he's with Peggy and has a family with them. And then finally, and this one was the kicker, I thought was she says to him, Steve, you came back. You are alive. And that is when she starts going into the dementia, the Alzheimer's. I think she's flashing back to the moment oh, where they first come back. No, no. Because uh, the only thing I'll say to that, I, I understand what you're saying, and that's yeah. fine. <laughs> I understand. But, I appreciate but, your thoughts but you're giving, and your notes you are, and your references. I'm going to ignore You're giving that. way too much credit to the dialogue when I just talked about how Black, how Johansson and Evans wrote their own dialogue when they had the scenes together. So you're going to tell me that Evans was clued in on that too? And then he's like, oh, what if I toss this line in there when he says that's not my but first that was between, 1945? Oh, that one particularly. But what about the three other lines mm, and that whole conversation? I think she has dementia, and I think that he made the comment. Mike... Go ahead, Butler. Tell, tell I made two comments. Yeah. One, he's gone back in time. He's rewritten history. Or no, he could still be the same guy. They never really say who the husband is. He, but yeah. my second one is, he's saved the world so many times. Uh, we're breaking up one marriage. Captain America can break up one Captain marriage. America. That is fine. Captain he's, America he's is for the good of men and women. It doesn't yeah. mean he's selfish. Of, of Everybody's all men needs. and women. <laughs> he's a screw, hero. Screw that one guy. He can go off and get married <laughs> to somebody else. Peggy is his. He's earned that one person. I'm sorry. That's just he's not a good person anymore. <laughs> He's completely erased. She could have had kids that are completely erased from existence now because Cap decided, I'm going to go get me some. And I'm going to go back. They were all dirtbags. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Speaking of romantic partners for Steve, though, we noticed that Sharon Carter, Kate, uh, yeah, the nurse, yeah. starts to slowly disappear from this MCU. Oh, man, she gets the shaft so bad. <laughs> she goes for fans of the West Wing. She goes to Mandyville. <laughs> well, she doesn't appear again. She appears in Civil War. OK. And then they kiss and oh. then she's gone for good. That's creepy. Though I think she's supposed to come back in the Falcon Winter Soldier Disney Plus show. OK. Which I think will be a great foil for the two boys. But yeah, they kind of they, they write out Emily Van Camp and they could say she's on some resident show on abc and that's why she couldn't fulfill her filming duties but come on did he know that she was the niece when he kissed her in civil war yes that's that's not good that's not good well peggy was dead his his first love was dead so so, so let me get this let me she's get, his lowest so lane in the comic let's, let's, yeah, in let's, the comic they're together let's go back to your rationale that or your rationale that he's married that he came back and he's with he oh yeah it's creepy if you it's creepy it. but yeah. he doesn't know that but come on man but then he when he know but he then when back. he goes back at the end of Endgame he's gonna figure that out yeah so gonna there's gonna be some really scenes where he's in therapy he's gonna have he's gonna have a scene like Asa and Shuro where he's got the the plunger on his mouth and he's brushing his teeth don't bring that therapy stuff out here. He's a man. He's he's a man in the fifties. He's not going to therapy. He's going to repress that and drink. Oh, he goes oh. to therapy in Endgame, or he runs the therapy. He runs group the therapy, which Endgame. brings me to another point. You'll notice that the um, 
obviously this one's directed by the Russo brothers. The uh, the the doctor in the scene that's helping Fury in the secret it's, shield it's bunker the brothers, yeah. is the Russo brother, who's also the same Russo brother in the meeting in, in the, the in yeah. the, yeah. the scene. Well, that scene's terrible. It's not a great scene. That scene also has is it Jim Stranko? It might be. It's another comic writer, uh, big time. I can't remember exactly who it is. But I'll pull it up for Endgame. In my head, this is my own head cannon here, but I like it to be real. <laughs> that that's just a scene of former shield guys Mm -hmm. that are trying to deal with the world Mm -hmm. after you know good shield guys and that that is able to tie the doctor back in and why you're able to you know because he talks cap talks about how they failed Mm -hmm. does the rest of the world know the avengers failed because that would be bad pr right Um, right like could it just be something that happened where he could go to the shield support team and they all kind of, you know, I, I want to start over or whatever. Well, think about this. And then now you're talking about how they failed. Think about how they looked from the outside looking in where you had a giant in Civil War, quote unquote, in this movie between Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. where S.H.I.E.L.D. is destroyed because they're fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. Look how that looks from the outside. And then you have the next Captain America movie, which I will argue that this is the last Captain America movie because this next one is basically Avengers 2.5. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the, again, you have the Avengers fighting each other. So now you have two incidences now where all these superheroes and all these big corporations are at war with each other, uh, what's the public to think? There's a third one Ooh. where uh, Hulk takes on the Avengers in the uh, the African nation. Oh, there. right. And so, I mean, but that drives the plot of right. Civil War that they need to rein these people in. Okay, so you're saying that this is... I can, I can imagine that this, they kind of knew what the next couple movies were after yeah. this in terms of where they wanted to go, what storyline they wanted to go. Eventually, like, you know, the what's the, what's the word they use when they want to sign them up? The registration? Right. The registration. Yeah, I get that. I don't know if I can believe the stuff in here was was going to be something that we're going to complete in Infinity War and Endgame, like you say. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I have a tougher time believing that, but I do follow the train of thought that it, it's leading up to yeah. Civil War and all that stuff. Like I said, this really feels like this is his last movie for him. You know what I mean? Because Civil yeah. War is not him. It's it's just not. It's it it's opens a, with it's an Tony. ensemble movie. Yeah. It's it's and that's unfortunate because whether what the issues I know you still like it and whatever the issues Butler, Cap is you still have. my favorite right, right. but yeah. these two movies are probably are, are a good companion piece together and you mm-hmm. don't ever finish his storyline you don't you know no. he, his he never gets line, an end right it's his storyline is forced to finish six or seven movies later in Endgame and that's that's that sucks because they waste his appearances his contract ran out and he was done with it yeah Chris yeah. Evans was probably like I, I'm gonna go off and do stuff like Knives Out and do more independent movies, which he's been doing. He'll probably he's got go a new one. He's got a defending Jacob. Yeah. That looks pretty good. Yep. yep, that looks good too. And since we're all home all the time now, we have plenty of time to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all I have. I mean, if you have any other final thoughts, uh, hit, hit me with them. No, I mean, just I like it. Silence. Yeah. That's, oh no, no, I do have one. Okay. And we're gonna get to it again, and we're gonna keep following up on this stupid line. <laughs> Is Nick Fury saying the last time he trusted somebody, he lost an eye. Oh, I know. That's right. The cat thing. The Captain yeah. American thing. Or the Captain Marvel thing. I'm sorry. The Captain Marvel thing was just a oh, stupid you know what I do reveal. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping. I think you know, we talked about this. After this Butler. film, yeah. and if we were to get a Nick Fury solo film, which would have been fantastic. I don't know. I, you I could maybe going back in time and seeing yeah. him lose the eye in a more Budapest-like mission that, 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 that Hawkeye and Black Widow are kind of talking about. And you know, he kind of talks about these like spy missions or... Even the one where he, uh, Alexander Pierce and him are talking about their history together. Right. And, uh, you could have seen something similar to that. Bogota? Is it Bogota they said? Bogota? It was another B one. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But they yep. could have done a, a storyline where they, instead they do it with the cat and Captain Marvel. Who did he, I mean, 
but he's trusted people since. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. Well, he probably has so many stories about his eye, whatever fits whatever situation he wants to talk about. So he's like Joker in uh, Dark Knight. Well, yeah, but more purposeful, less like I'm insane and I don't remember. It's he uses it to make his point with whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody going to a bar and going, you know, I got this scar trying to impress a girl and it's Mm -hmm. all made up. But really, he accidentally dropped like a hammer on his toe or something (laughs) and mashed it up. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's fine yeah. but i i don't like how he uses his dead eye to scan the eye scanner like that you deleted me from the system but you didn't delete all of me from the system they didn't just go and search nick fury and delete him <laughs> like his name is but it's like a fake name it's like bill dead eye or something like that <laughs> <laughs> fake eye jones <laughs> <laughs> so with the last i did think of something in avengers we talked about this when they open when caps opening up the crates Yes. In the back. And he sees that they have the same Hydra technology. And we said, hey, the Hydra label was on those. Mm-hmm. Why should it be any surprise in this movie that Hydra's infiltrated shield when it was right in front of them in Avengers? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. I got. So unless you guys have anything else to add. So next next time you join us, we'll it'll just probably be Pat and my, myself because Mike's going to bail. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll bring Mike back for Civil War so uh, we can all... Ah, there you go, Mike. Uh, (laughs) Mike's like pass. (laughs) Um, We'll be uh, Matt and I'll be back talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, something completely different from whatever we're talking about. And I I assume that the MCU portion of that movie will be uh, of our podcast will be short. Oh, Guardians? Yeah, probably. I mean, we're gonna see a little bit more of the space stuff than kind of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. Well, this it's almost like they've that one. They've entered in a new. Uh, I want to say world, but a new section of yes. this whole universe that like they kind of have up. to. Yeah, right. Um, but as always, uh, Pat's going to we're going to end it with Pat's recommended reading and I will sit here staring at him while he does it. Thanks, Butler. No Thanks problem, guys. Thanks. Always for having oh, hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute, hold on. Come on. Do it. Do it. Uh, do the plug. Yeah, plug our stuff. <laughs> oh, so uh, thanks for having me, guys. If you enjoy the sound of my voice and you enjoy the kind of bickering you saw between me and field (laughs) (laughs) or disagreements, you can see or hear more of that on forgotten cinema, a podcast we do comes out every Wednesday. Uh, It's a podcast about forgotten films that for whatever reason seem to have been forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we always discuss, always recommend you revisit it. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts can be found or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. Follow us on social media at Forgotten Cinema Pod. And Pat will be on an episode as soon as we end up doing Adventureland because I know he wants to do that. Oh, there's so many other movies I'd want to do now, like Summer oh, Catch. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Summer Anything Catch. without Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> ding. <laughs> ding. Let's do I, Summer if Catch. You, if, you do, if we do that, Summer I'm Catch put is a, terrible. I'll put a Jolly Rancher right in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to have to wait until everything subsides with the pandemic. But yes, go ahead. No, no. I cough on it first. I go, this is what you get. (laughs) Thank God all of this getting cut. (laughs) Yeah, getting cut. (laughs) Pat, take it away. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards, and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. First on our list is a long one and should keep you busy for a while. It's Captain America Volume 5, all by Ed Brubaker. Uh, There's a number of ways you can read this, either in single issues or through a handful of ultimate collections. This series starts with the introduction of Winter Soldier, 
weaves all the way through the Marvel Civil War, is punctuated by the death of Steve Rogers, and we see Bucky picking up Cap's shield. It's one of the most incredible Captain America stories, uh, bringing a world of espionage, more government intrigue, Russian assassins, tying it up in a nice comic book world, but really bringing the characters into the modern day. Uh, highly recommend that one, and you'll see a lot of influences in this film. Uh, switching gears, we have our second recommendation, which is Shield by Steranko, the complete collection. This collects Strange Tales, uh, 151 to 168, and a handful of Nick Fury Agents of Shield issues, all by Jim Steranko. He brings this unique style of James Bond meets pop art to Nick Fury. You'll get to see more insight into Hydra as well as meet all the bombastic characters that make up Fury's world. Uh, one note. This is the old school Nick Fury uh, that was you most recognize him as the guy that looks like David Hasselhoff from the early 90s Nick Fury movie, um, but still highly fun series and really great character work. And then lastly, we'll end with another more modern day Nick Fury focused story, and that's Jonathan Hickman's Secret Warriors, which we touched on a couple times in this one. Listen, we have a couple more cap that we have another Captain America movie and a handful of appearances in the Avengers. So we have time for more cap recommendations down the road. So I really want to get Secret Warriors out there. As I mentioned, it's not for beginners, um, but it's absolutely a, a great read, especially reading it all the way through. Uh, features a ragtag group of, of agents and super powered individuals picking up the pieces once it's revealed that Hydra has secretly infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's a good in-between for those following along with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well, because it focuses on Daisy Johnson, a.k.a. Sky, a.k.a. Quake. Um, so definitely check that one out. Um, and that's all we got for today. And we'll see you next week.